Hello, welcome back. How's it going? I hope you're well. I am well. Um, I hope everyone is staying uh, sanitary and washing their hands in the wake of all this coronavirus stuff. Um, Pretty scary. I have no idea what to say about it right now. I am trying to gather thoughts, trying to gather information and, um, uh, you know, stats. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And once I do, I'll let you know. Because you just, this, it's crazy. So that's my intro is be careful. Wash your hands a lot. I don't know what's happening. Um, Stock up on supplies. Good luck out there. Anyway, here, welcome to 100% BS. I am Belle Solonat, your lovely host. And um, today we're going to talk about monkeys having herpes. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? But I did. And I'm going to tell you about it. And I'm also going to talk about the Oscars. Uh, Everyone knows there was some controversy around some female snubs and uh, female filmmakers not getting nominated and winning and all that stuff. So, and then also Greta Thunberg, where the hell is she back in school? I think I should probably look that up. Where's Greta Thunberg right now? Uh, I think she's in school. I'm assuming she took a break from not being at school and is back to continue learning as one should as a child. Um, but anyway, I can talk about Greta Thunberg and some thoughts that I had while all of that was going down a couple months ago. Um, since it's kind of been quiet now. And um, that's it. So let's get into it. Thanks for tuning in again. Oh, before we begin, please, if you are listening and you like what you hear or you're just nice, um, leave me a review on Apple Podcast. Give me a good old rate and a review, hopefully positive. Um, It's a huge help. I really appreciate it. And please share with your friends and tell them about it. Send it to your mom and your dad and your siblings and your and your peeps and your coworkers, spread the freaking word because that's how we get things done around here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Belle Solonat, and you're listening to 100% BS. So, a friend of mine, dear friend, you know who you are. You shared this article, she shared this article with me about monkeys with herpes in Florida, which can I just say first, it's Florida. The weirdest shit happens there. You know, it, there, there was a whole thing that happened where everyone was like, Google man, Florida and the date, and you'll have just a headline of some ridiculous shit that happened in Florida. So Florida is the home of weird news stories and, um, good for them keeping things interesting. So anyways, uh, monkeys were found in Florida with herpes. So apparently there's a monkey population that is growing at an alarming rate, which means that the monkeys won't stop banging. That's what that means. That there's a bunch of monkeys swinging around their trees and just banging each other without protection. Uh, apparent, apparent lack of sex education for the monkeys. Clearly that's a problem. And they're banging each other and spreading herpes B, herpes B specifically. Um, and people are worried that it could spread to humans, which is fucking hilarious because does that mean, uh, how, how would that spread, you know, mechanically, uh, how, how would that spread between a human? Do you have to, 
sleep with a monkey or I, I think maybe that it can be spread through I'm so uneducated about herpes clearly I need more sex education um but essentially they said that uh somewhere near 400 monkeys prowling prowling the marshy banks of the river so this is in silver river florida and there's a shit ton of monkeys apparently 400 that have herpes b getting spread around um and so for me the key learnings from this situation is that a um monkeys like to sleep around they're apparently not monogamous or or these monkeys are like Maybe they're a frat. I don't know. They're just banging around nonstop. And also, apparently, animals need protection and get STDs. I don't. I actually don't think I knew that before, that monkeys and animals can get STDs, which makes sense. Those dirty little things. Goddamn monkeys. What would a, what would a monkey condom be? A banana peel? I don't know. But clearly, the monkeys need to figure their shit out and stop spreading herpes. But the funny part is... Um, this expert, Mr. Johnson said, uh, Johnson said, the chances of a monkey infecting a human are slim, but they are not zero, which means people in Florida interact with monkeys enough that they could contract herpes from them, which I guess it maybe. I know there's a certain type of herpes of the mouth that can spread from like sharing a drink. So, you know, maybe they're sharing drinks with monkeys. I don't know, man. Like I said, Florida, home of strange headlines um so it's not a big chance but you know having 400 monkeys banging and swinging around and everywhere sounds pretty scary not as scary as the coronavirus but you know poor floridians in the silver river are dealing with that um so i thought i'd share that interesting tidbit kind of just puts in put things puts things in perspective for you doesn't it you could be walking around your neighborhood one day and the next the authorities are like watch out for the monkeys don't pet them this week they'll give you herpes and then like imagine telling your significant other hey i have herpes and they're like uh who and you're like um curious george you you wouldn't think it was him but it was so isn't that interesting anyway uh back to human issues which i normally focus on but i do talk a lot about animals they're fun. I like them. Anyway, back to humans. So a few weeks ago was the Oscars. Was a good show, I think. Thought it was pretty interesting. Some good speeches. Some speeches that are way too fucking long and some very inspiring speeches. Uh, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's speech was pretty cool. Uh, he's a very passionate guy. I think he deserved to win Best Actor. That was pretty cool. But so there was a lot of controversy around the Oscars because there was a lack of female filmmakers nominated in general specifically female directors there was not a single female nominee which people were uh, obviously upset at understandable so what i would like to pose here is trying to dig deeper and understand why is there a lack of female nominees and therefore winners um and is it should we be getting mad at the Oscars or should we be focusing on something else or both? You know, I'm going to ask all the questions and try to solve it here for you. I'm not going to solve it, but I'm going to having a conversation is a good start. So um, I would like to post some questions here and dig deeper um, and also just look into the statistics of 
how many women make the film or um, how many women filmmakers make up the top films and all that. So we just try to understand the issue at a deeper level. So my first thoughts. One, I think when talks of when when we have these conversations of promoting equality and for example at the Oscars that we want to nominate more female films um, I think that we should be careful to not just nominate a film solely because it's made by a female just the same way how you wouldn't just nominate a film solely because it's made by a male which you know uh, maybe you could argue that that is being hap- that is happening but my point is you know we should still be judging a film by its quality and nominating according to what people you know like the best and let's say the films that should be most quote critically acclaimed you know the oscars and the golden globe this expands obviously to the golden globes um that we should be nominating films that are actually great and should you know and are incredible pieces of cinema and make a statement and whatever you know the things that are oscar worthy films um and perhaps the way that we fix the issue is to give more recognition to female created films um and then maybe that kind of works in the form of inspiring the pop inspiring generations um and it kind of trickles down into like seeing you know more female filmmakers are getting recognized so the younger filmmakers are encouraged to you know get into the industry and work hard to one day be nominated as well or just you know are encouraged to work in the industry, all of that. So I can see that argument that by having more female filmmakers winning, then you kind of, it's like a trickle down thing. Like you inspire other female filmmakers to create films and fight for their spot and all that. So I can see that argument. But I also think what's important to consider is think about it this way. So I looked into the stats of the numbers of female films overall. So and, and I'm trying to make a case essentially for that. I think that these changes, meaning like trying to get more female filmmakers nominated at the Oscars, I think that this change has to be made at a lower level and not necessar- and we shouldn't necessarily be blaming the end result. Like, yes, we should bring up the conversation, but solely getting angry at the Oscars for not nominating women and for the snubs that happen I don't I think it's not as productive and I think it could actually be a detriment to the problem versus looking at the root cause and saying well why aren't there as many female made films that make up the top 100 films right so statistically there are less females in the top positions like director producer um you know composer all like the top production positions are not as less females take up those positions, right? So speaking purely from a statistical standpoint, it would be less likely that a woman, a woman will be nominated for that category, which I'm not suggesting that's, that is acceptable, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, think about statistics and like, if you, you know, in math class, you had a problem where it was like, there's a bag of marbles and three of them are green and seven of them are blue. Which color are you more likely to pick? Blue, right? But again, it's not that simple because there's obviously opinion involved here and you're not just blindly nominating films like people are choosing them. So, but just to think about the fact that there are, it's, this is the stat, 113 directors attached to the year's top 100 films, 12 of them were, were women compared to just five in 2018. So in 2019, 12, there were 12 female directors that made up 
the year's top 100 films. So again, you're talking about the Oscars in 2020, which are looking at films from the past year, including 2019, and only 12 of the 100 films are made by female directors. So obviously that's going to make it more difficult for a woman to get nominated for that category. Um, and obviously the point is that we're working to to have more female films, right? Like the idea would be to have 50-50 representation. That way when we get to the point of nominating, naturally we'll just have more female films that make it uh, to, to getting an Oscar, to getting nominated. Um, so my thinking is that by focusing on that top line, the end result being the Oscars or the Golden Globes or, or whatever it is, that it actually, I'm, I'm just not sure if we're really exposing the true problem. And that clearly the problem is that of the top 100 films, there are less women contributing to the creation of them. And that, right? Like you need to have more female filmmakers present and, and, and making these films in order for them to get nominated. And again, that was my whole point about like not just nominating a film because it's made by a woman. Like I'm not, you know, basically think about it this way. The same way that there are tons of films that men make that are bad, there are also films made by women that are bad. But neither of those cases is a commentary on the overall capability of that gender, right? Of the gender as a whole. So we don't want to just be nominating women because, oh, there happened to be a female director, so like let's put it in the category. Like We should still hold to our standards of choosing films that are truly great. And that doesn't mean that female filmmakers can't make great things. It's just like you don't want to even it out so much that it becomes like you shouldn't give someone a job just because they're a man, but you also shouldn't give them a job just because they're a woman. You should give them the job if they're truly capable and deserve the job. So think about it that way. That's how I try to think about it, especially with things like Oscar-nominated films and all that, and like there are less women, so I think that right now it makes sense that there's going to be less nominated. But again, let's try to solve this from the root cause, and I think the way we do that is by having more female-made films. Um, and, and maybe that is the issue that at a lower level, we're not encouraging as many women to take part in making films. But from my sense of things, from someone who I, I work in the entertainment industry and um, I studied film and I'm, you know, decently familiar with it a bit. Obviously, I'm not a pro because I'm I haven't been in the industry forever. But right now as a woman, like it is a really good time actually to be a female artist because we want to hear female voices and that is definitely being encouraged. There's a lot of work to be a lot of work to be done, but we are definitely pushing in that way. And again, when you compare that stat that was 2018 to 2019, we a little more than doubled the amount of female directors. So again, we're not done, but I think it's just interesting to consider that it's not necessarily the Oscars to be mad at. I think we need to do a little more digging into you know how are the studios picking who makes the film? Like, are there just less w women who want to be directors? Like, you know, you also have to think about what the interests are. Of it. Like, are they truly being discouraged from directing these films or are there just a lack of them? You know, it's a little more complicated than saying, fuck the Oscars, they don't nominate women or they don't. This also, again, expands, not just women, actually. It also expands to minorities and people of, of, of color and all of that, you know, like people get, bad at the Oscars for being so white which again it's you know 
it's like I get it makes sense because you want to see representation. You want to see those people getting the awards that they deserve, but it's difficult to do that when there's just less of them to give awards to, you know? So, so my, my whole intention here is I, I want to see more quality and I want to see more, uh, people of color and, um, female filmmakers and all of that be nominated and win. I think that's that's obviously great, but I don't think that we should be doing it in a way that we're just we're just nominating them because they happen to be a woman. Like that that's my whole the whole point here and again, if you use the like job analogy of when you're interviewing someone, you know, you shouldn't just hire them because they're a man or woman. You should hire them if they actually should have the job. Again, um, there's opinion there and there's bias. So these things are not as cut and dry, but generally the principle kind of still holds up. The other thing I was thinking about is what if we separated the categories? If you had a male ver- male and female director, I mean, we do that with the acting category, right? Like in theory, it should just be one category, but we don't. It's best female actor and best male actor uh, and for supporting role as well. So what if we just did best female director and best male director? Like, does that even it out? Or is the whole point that we want everyone to be on the same level playing field? Like we want men and women to be competing equally and that we hope that the outcome is 50-50. But it kind of makes you think like, is it necessary to have female versus male actor um, categories? Like technically you don't need that, right? If it was all equal playing field and like if we wanted to just, it's just, it's the same job. You're just like, saying female versus male. So it's an interesting thing to consider should we have different categories for female for directors, best female director and best male director. You know, I wonder if that would make sense or if the whole point is to have it be equal. And if it is, then maybe we should take away that we're doing best male actor and best female actor. Something to consider and think about. I don't necessarily have a solution, um, but I think it's definitely worth pondering a little deeper and and saying that we need to think about solving these issues from the ground up and, you know, starting, let's say at the high school level, college level, encouraging both men and women, girls and boys to study film, especially women. If it's less, I personally went to a college where my class was made up of way more females. Like I think it was like 60 or 70% female students versus male students in my film and TV television degree. So that's interesting. Um, again, that's just one college, so it doesn't represent the whole, but I think that that is definitely a way to solve the problem more is to start from the ground up from the root cause and get more women to participate in the, in the industry. And maybe that's how we do it. Because again, part of the issue is that right now it is heavily dominated by white males. So of course, just in a numbers game purely, you're going to have more male filmmakers get nominated and win. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, And I'm definitely curious, you know, what other people think, if I'm missing some kind of information here on how they get nominated. I did actually look into the process of getting nominated for the Oscars. And it's, there's like, there's the when people say like thank you to the academy they're referencing it's like thousands of people thousands of members who are other actors producers directors filmmakers sound editors editors sound whatever like all that stuff those are all people who take part in voting and nominating the films so and actually that group is 
not even. I think it's 32% women for minorities. It's even less uh, percentage representation. So that's obviously maybe an issue in that if it is more made up by males and they're voting for other male films to be nominating nominated, that's kind of an issue. Um, but again, I think part of it definitely has to do with the number of films we have to choose from that are made by females. Okay, so next on the lineup for this episode is Greta Thunberg. Remember her? Good old Greta. Killing it with the strikes, with the school strikes for climate action. Um, She was all over the news. um, And she was leading tons of climate strikes. And I remember there was one here in California and there was some in Massachusetts and like all over the world. People were joining her um, to try to fight for policy for climate change and all that which was um, great to see all the all those people rallying behind her movement. Um, I definitely think that was great to see so many young people and people of all ages taking part in that. However, don't you hate it when I say however? I'm just going to ruin it. I'm going to say something bad. No, I'm not. I'm just, here we go, going to challenge it. So we all remember Greta Thunberg leading um, those climate strikes and... Um, I have a few questions to ask. And the first one is, I am not sure if climate strikes and demonstrations are actually the most productive way to make change. Now hear me out. Don't cut me off here, kids. Hold on, and I'll explain. So think about it like this. We have these masses of people showing up to the strike to show their support. And in their eyes, they're making a difference, right? By fighting for the earth and taking part in this great movement and, um, you know, getting their friends to join and, and creating action for, you know, you're, you're acting it out and you feel like you're part of this big fight and that we're going to save the world that way. Um, and what I just, what I always wonder is what are these people doing in their daily lives? And I'm, I'm not trying to suggest like, I'm not assuming everyone who goes to a climate strike doesn't do their part, but you it make you should think, you know, if you're going to do a climate strike, are you also making are, are you also in your individual life making changes to to help the climate, to help uh, the earth, sorry. You know, things like are you supporting businesses with sustainable practices? Do you refuse to buy single-use plastics? Are you buying a coffee every day from Starbucks in a cup that you're going to throw out? Like are you um bothering your friends to use a real glass instead of a cup like are you the person who is actively in their everyday life trying to reduce the amount of waste that they create and is encouraging their friends to do so or are you just going to the strike to show up and show face and you know make it seem like you're there for the fight and you know again like that's I think it's probably a lot of people who show up to that are doing that already which is great Um, But what I wonder is if sometimes these strikes, especially when they, you know, they're definitely really covered by the media and they they tend to get political and all that. So there's a lot of hype around them. I wonder if they kind of end up acting as a distraction and aren't as productive um, as if, you know, compared to is if compared to if all those people individually change their life and led more sustainable lives would that actually be more productive than those thousands of people showing up to a strike 
and trying to get the government to implement policy. I don't know if it's more productive or not, but to me, I feel like these strikes, while they have very good intentions, obviously, I am not sure if they're actually going to be more productive. And I I definitely tend to wonder this a lot. um, If the avenue of the government, if the avenue of government policy and, and, you know, these human rights movements and all that, if they will actually be solved more productively through the government or if they get solved more quickly and more efficiently through things like individual action or innovation, you know, businesses um, trying to implement better practices that are more earth friendly and all of that. And I just, I just don't know if specifically with climate change, it's a problem that can be solved with the government. And yes, there are, there are definitely policies that can help. You know, you have things like the carbon tax and you can, you can make it illegal to have single use plastic. Like obviously those are really good. But if you think about realistically getting those things passed, it's incredibly difficult, especially given how gridlocked the government is right now and how climate change happens to be a left leaning issue. So when you're talking about, you know, the house and the Senate being controlled by different parties and all the tension that there is and how as it seems, the left versus right, you know, the right doesn't want to pass things for the left and vice versa. And so realistically passing a piece of legislation in favor of climate change is going to be very difficult. So that is what I mean when I'm saying that the government might not actually be able to solve it, even though in theory, if you if we were able to pass these laws and it not be such a painstaking process to get something through, then yes, we could probably rely more on the government, but I just don't see that I don't see that being the case right now, which is why I believe that we should be using our time differently. And I think that we should focus more on, you know, gathering all this public attention and and energy and, you know, these thousands of people who showed up for Greta Thunberg. I, you know, I want those thousands of people to actually be implementing sustainable uh, practices into their daily lives and to be encouraging their friends and family to do it. And I, I, I just wonder if doing that is going to be, is going to do more positive work for the government, for more, more positive work for the earth than striking the U S government and like saying, fuck Trump and asking him to solve it through policy. Um, my biggest point is that the issue of sustainability shouldn't be a left versus right. And a lot of times when it becomes political, that's what happens. And you kind of, you deal with, you know, half the, the it, it just the issue of climate change in a perfect world wouldn't be a political one. Like it should just be that we're all fighting to find out how to make the world a better place. And then we're all trying to figure out the best practices to do that. But currently it is a political issue, which is why I feel that strikes and movements and all of that aren't actually the best way to get somewhere and to solve this problem together. And the other thing is that now the reason why I brought it up through that through the avenue of Greta Thunberg is because think about it now that she's not in the news, like it feels like the world has gone to sleep on the issue. And yes, there are continued efforts from smaller groups and, you know, some people are concerned about all the time, which you should be. But now it's like, you know, the media has moved on to something else. Like right now, the big news story is coronavirus, obviously, because that's like life threatening. But, you know, the media isn't always going to cover 
climate change. And it was a big deal because Greta Thunberg and her people and, and all of that were leading these huge movements and making us very aware of it. But now that it's over, I just wonder if those same people who shut up to strike with her, are they still working to, towards it? You know, and like, I know plenty of people who didn't go strike and I can argue are doing more to help the, to help the environment. You know, maybe you can think about it in terms of, let's say Elon Musk, who has been creating incredibly sustainable cars. Tesla is making solar city, like someone who is literally has built businesses and is creating innovative solutions and has teams of thousands of engineers working towards building things that could actually lead to a better world. And you don't really see Elon Musk, at least you don't, I'm not aware of him being like striking for climate and all of that. And he even gets shit for not helping out sometimes. But you know, he bought a million trees. I saw that on Twitter and he changed his, his Twitter name to Trelon Musk. So something to think about. Um, and you know, other examples of people who aren't you know, outwardly striking against, you know, striking and, and, and participating in these government movements, um, you know, they're still doing a lot. And for me, I think that the greatest change will come from innovation and, you know, businesses changing their practices and individuals being committed to the issue. So something to think about. Um, and again, like with the media not covering it anymore, it just feels like now it's like, okay, it was a thing last summer or last fall. Everyone was like all into saving the environment. And now that Greta's back at school, like we don't care anymore. So I'm generalizing and um, being dramatic, but I think it's true. I think that um, that's kind of what it feels like that since the media is not covering it anymore and you don't have this big movement anymore of all these strikes that people are like, okay, great. We kind of did our part and now let's move on. Like that's not how this gets solved. We need to be committed to it all the time and we need to be promoting ways for individuals to participate in it every single day. Not just like there's a strike that's you did your part and now you can go back and like sleep happily. Yeah. So, um, my last few thoughts are kind of related about the election um since i was talking about the good old government um so super tuesday just happened this past week march 6th no i don't that's wrong super tuesday happened in the beginning of march and um i saw a lot on social media which was great um people encouraging their friends to register to vote and to go out and vote and all that which is fantastic um I definitely think we should be encouraging young people, especially because young people tend to be the ones that aren't registered to vote and sometimes don't feel like their voice counts and all that. So definitely think it's a good idea to be encouraging people to vote. However, here's the however. I should change this podcast name to however. Anyway, however, I see a common theme that when, say specifically with social media, like on Instagram, I saw tons of people being like, there was literally a sticker you could post on your Instagram story that you clicked on it and it like led you to a link uh, to register to vote. But the thing is that a lot of times when people encourage you to vote, it's very clear that it's motivated for one candidate. And while, of course, you know, freedom of speech, you should totally support the candidate that you like and, you know, maybe try to encourage others to consider them and to have conversations of being like, this is why I like this guy or gal that's fine. But for me, when it comes to voting, 
it just feels a little off-putting when people are being told to register to register to vote but it's very clearly that like I very clearly know it's for a specific candidate that you like which you know you could argue and say that's the whole point it's a democracy like we should try to encourage people to vote for who we think is correct and all that but for me it's like it's the whole point of encouraging people to vote is that that you should encourage them to take part in the democratic process we we should be encouraging more people to vote so that the person who wins the election is truly a representation of what the american people want and i can see the argument of saying okay what if the people who the majority want is actually the is the bad guy or the bad gal like what if it's not actually the good choice and it's like okay well you know, now you're questioning the ability of certain people to vote, which is a totally vi- totally good conversation to have, actually, in saying, like, should everyone be allowed to vote? That's what you're suggesting, essentially, by saying, like, what if, you know, the true democratic process of letting whoever win the election is a true representation of what the American people want? That's what a democracy is. Like, that's what should be happening. I think you should let people, you should be telling people to vote for who they truly believe in, regardless of what it seems like the majority is telling them. So, you know, it's like, and just for me, making it very clear that you want someone to register to vote specifically for say, it's like Bernie or Warren or Biden or whoever, it's kind of, I'm back and forth on this issue, but I definitely feel a bit, it just feels a little sneaky and not as genuine I think it's that. I think it doesn't feel as genuine when there's so much noise for saying like register to vote and go vote, but it's very clearly for one side. And like that's not how it should be. I think we should just tell we should tell people to take part in the democratic process and to do their own digging and decide for themselves who they think is a good candidate. And then go vote for that person that you have done enough research in and you have asked yourself enough questions about that candidate. That's how it should be. So it's just interesting thought. Um, I, I definitely am curious if I'm just curious what other people think. If we should, if the whole point is to use your freedom of speech to encourage people to vote for who you think is right, or if you agree and you think it's like encourage people to vote but don't have an agenda behind it. I think the agenda thing is what we is is the difficult part. Um, especially in in an election that has so much, um, there's just a lot building up to this and given the last four years with Trump and everything has been feeling pretty combative and a lot of tension, a lot of division that I think specifically for this election, we should be encouraging people to vote, but I think it should be for the true democratic process of the person who wins is a reflection of what the American people want. Like that's how it works. Right. And like your, your guy or gal might lose or he might win. And the other half is going to be upset that their people didn't win, but that's the process, right? That's what we want. That's what, that's what a democracy is. So anyway, just a thought, but prove me wrong, please. I would love to hear another opinion. Anyway, I hope you have thoughts um please please i really genuinely encourage you to email me or message me and tell me what you think um because i would love to be proved wrong and then talk about it again and all that all that jazz um and please if you like the episode give it a rate and review and share it with your friends um 
Yes, thank you for tuning in to 100% BS with me, Bella Solonat. I've been having a great time doing this and I hope you guys are enjoying. Super fun. If you want a sneak peek, why don't I give you a sneak peek of the uh, topics that are coming up? Because that's fun. So we're going to do a part two of the conspiracy episode that I did with Brian. So the part one was episode number four. So make sure you listen to that before I do episode number two. I mean, part two of that. Uh, And we're going to dive into some conspiracies and try to work through them and compare, you know, evidence on them and all that. Also going to do a part two of my episode on health and wellness that I did with Sonia Lee. Um, I heard some great feedback on that. And... I'm happy to answer specific questions as well for that. If you even if people want to email in specific questions pertaining to that episode, I will happily do a follow up and address specific questions or share more articles that are relevant and helpful. Another episode that I'm going to do, um, I'm going to talk about equal pay actually, and I won't say yet what I'm going to say about it, but it's definitely going to be interesting, um, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. And then once I understand more about the coronavirus maybe i'll chat about that a bit uh thanks for tuning in you guys are the best shit thank you to my fans i would not be here without you um yeah good night goodbye have a great day see you later